This week on Soccer and Snow and Smoke, we're resetting before the quarterfinals of the World Cup. That's right, we're down to eight teams. We finally got a couple days off here on Wednesday and Thursday with no World Cup action happening. Just gives us a little bit of time to reset and reconsider where we're at in this tournament, what's changed through the group stage and then the crazy first round of knockouts. What we've liked, what we haven't, which out of these eight teams have a real chance to win this entire tournament. So joining me to discuss that lightning round fashion, it's a couple of our favorite guests here on the podcast. Leading off with Ross McMoney's former Missoula Strikers executive director, still a very involved and very knowledgeable youth coach in town. Good friend who's been a guest on this podcast many times and we'll wrap up with another frequent guest, University of Montana Grizzlies soccer coach Chris Chitovitsky. Just wanted those guys to give me their thoughts on the tournament so far and the tournament that we still have to play four great games this weekend, and those will determine who the final four teams in this year's World Cup are. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you by Zootown Sports Cards, Canby Taphouse, and Blackfoot Communications. Big thanks to all of our sponsors on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. We couldn't do it without them. Zootown Sports Cards is your hub for all things sports card and memorabilia collecting in the Garden City. Go and find them at 2100 Stevens Avenue. I know they've got plenty of soccer cards just sitting there waiting for a good home. And to help you get started in the soccer card collecting game, if you go in to Zootown Sports Cards and mention to Hillary or Jason that you heard about Zootown on Soccer and Snow and Smoke, they'll hook you up with a little friends and family discount. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is also brought to you by Camby Tap House and Coffee, two great locations in the Garden City, one on South Higgins as well as one in the Sawmill District. One of my favorite places to patronize in the Garden City. I love Camby's great selection of beers on tap, and their food menu is not half bad either. Go and get the Camby fries. That'd be my recommendation. And check out the South Higgins location as well. To watch some of the later games at the World Cup, they'll have them on the TV for you. And finally, Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications, the official digital sponsor of Grizzly Athletics and a huge supporter of everything that we do here at ESPN Missoula, as well as at Skyline Sports. Whatever your phone and internet needs, go and visit Blackfoot Communications. And also, if you're a small business, check out their Connect to More program. That's Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Make sure you check out our giveaway on Soccer and Snow and Smoke here for the World Cup. We've got some packs of cards from Zootown Sports Cards as well as a $25 gift card to Canby Tap House. Available for one lucky winner, all you have to do is text me, 406-888-1029, who you think is going to win the World Cup. Text me also who you think is going to win the Golden Boot for top scorer. At this year's World Cup, you don't have to be right. This isn't a contest or anything. I just want to see your thoughts. So text me both of those things, who you think is your pick to win the World Cup and who's your pick for the Golden Boot, to 406-888-1029 to be entered for your chance to win some packs of cards from Zootown Sports Cards as well as a gift card to Camby Tap House and Coffee. Now back to soccer and snow and smoke. All right, next up on Soccer and Snow and Smoke, playing a little lightning round questions about the World Cup so far. We finally got a little rest day here in the World Cup. Round of 16 over, quarterfinals coming up this weekend. So a great time to stop, 
take stock in what we've seen, what we expect to see from the rest of the tournament. And next up, as I mentioned, Charles McMoney's regular contributor to soccer and snow and smoke. Local soccer coach, great guy, knows a ton about the game, and he's been watching and texting me about all these games. So, uh, Ross, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure. What have you been up to, uh, just real quick, aside from uh, watching the World Cup? Uh, Honestly, not a whole lot. Um, I've been glued to the TV. This has been the most exciting World Cup that I can remember since France 98. Um, Honestly, these last couple of days, I haven't known what to do with myself you know, not having games on. You know, I'm I'm usually watching every single game, just sat there all day, and then re-watching games too. So it's been fun. Yeah, I was just talking with uh, Christian Avisky. Don't know what to do with myself in these, in these off days because you fall into the routine so easily of watching those games every morning. So this is new and not particularly nice. Ross, real quick, just to start, your thoughts on the United States men's national team run, just a post-mortem on what they accomplished. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how your typical American fans would feel about it. Um, but as a somewhat of a neutral, a Brit living in the States, I think it's positive. I think the the U.S. men's team played the best soccer I've ever seen them play. Um, the only question mark for me is, like, tactically, uh the players and are the coaches. I think the players are because a lot of them play in Europe at big clubs, but are the coaching staff, um, do they have the ability to to change and adapt to their approach based on what they're up against? Um, they didn't do that against England. They didn't do it against the Netherlands. And, you know, they got punished, not in the England game, but they got punished against the Netherlands for that. Um, it seems like they only kind of have one approach, and if it's not going to work, then they don't really know what else to do. So, But overall, I, I was pretty positive. I, I think the U.S. Uh, gave a good representation of themselves. Yeah, it was nice to see, and uh, nice to see them compete in those games against England, and they played well against the Netherlands, too. That's enough about the United States, which, after all, is not in this tournament any longer, not one of the final eight teams left. Ross, seems like the the story of this first knockout round for so long was just the chalk, just the favorites getting through. You know, the Netherlands goes through, Argentina goes through, Brazil goes through, England makes things really easy against Senegal, France had things pretty easy against Poland, Portugal smacks Switzerland. Did all those favorites getting through surprise you at all? Um, No. I mean, the the biggest shock to me was uh, Germany. Obviously, I, I kind of had Germany tipped for one of my winners. Um, I think I had them, uh, you know, winning it um, overall in one of my brackets, actually. So I got that one wrong. Um, I was surprised. I think the Germans still played some good soccer, but they uh, they just struggled getting the goals and finishing games off. Um, and when they got beat by Japan, I think that really set them back. Um, I, I watched that game and it felt like they were just like, oh, we're cruising, we're going to take this easy and win it. And, and they got you know, that upset. And I think that really uh, put a dampener on the camp. Um, so the, the, that's my biggest shock there, that not to see the Germans in the round of 16. And then obviously Spain getting beat by Morocco was a huge upset. I wasn't expecting that one. I don't think many were. Yeah, that was the big one, the one that didn't go the way everybody was expecting in that round of 16. Ross, just from watching that game, I mean, what did you think 
allowed Morocco to pull off that upset, or maybe it was you know Spain not playing up to their level. But what was your read on that game? You know, for me, I think um, you know obviously Morocco have a really good team. They got two solid outside backs, uh, Akanji, who we mentioned. Uh, no, sorry, not Akanji. I'm I'm thinking about Switzerland. Um, Morocco have some really good outside backs. A lot of their players play in Champions League teams. Um, they have uh, Ziyech, who is a, a solid contributor to an attack. Um, so Morocco were like structurally well organized to compete against any team that they come up against. And I expect them to kind of give Portugal a good run too. Um, although Portugal look really good, I'll, we'll probably get onto that. But ultimately, I think Spain's downfall was um, some of their high-profile players that are coming through are very much in the early stages of their development and their careers. Um, you know, Gavi is one, is just inc- an incredible player, but, you know, new to this environment. So, I mean, it's, you know, you can write it off. I think Spain will be, you know, continue to be strong uh, competitors in the future in these events. Yeah, let's move on to Portugal really quickly. And, I, you know, I was going to ask you if Morocco could keep things going, and it sounds like you think they'll have a good chance. But going back to the Portugal game, and that was the other sort of big story of the knockout rounds, the coach makes the move to put Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench. Gonzalo Ramos, who replaces him, explodes for a hat trick, and they win 6-1 to one over Switzerland. Just you, from your perspective, coaching, what's it like to make a move like that, and then why do you think it works so well? Um, you know, we spoke about this, the whole Ronaldo, Ronaldo saga, um, and it's about to begin, huh, with Portugal in this next round. Um, you know, I, we've seen, uh, you know, talks of Ronaldo kind of threatening to quit and all of this stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Portuguese team can move forward from this, um, even with all of those headlines. And they've been able to do it up until now, but up until now, Ronaldo's been playing in the group stages. So it hasn't been an issue. So whether they can ignore those distractions and continue and get through Morocco will be a question mark for me. Um, They look really, really solid. Uh, And to make a decision like that to leave Ronaldo out as a coach is obviously a really difficult one, not because you know what he's been like as a player. He's obviously one of the greats, but also you you know, clearly there's evidence of him, you know, kind of getting annoyed and and throwing a tantrum when he doesn't get what he wants. So as a coach, you kind of expect that's going to happen too. And you have to know that you're going to have to manage that. But I think if the Portuguese coach has made that decision, knowing that that was probably going to happen, then he has full faith and confidence in the rest of the squad um, going forward. And I, I don't think he sees it as much of an issue um, in the group's morale collectively. So I, I honestly think uh, Portugal will will continue past Morocco and and do pretty well and get to that that uh, final and semi-final and final potentially. Well, well, that's right. And you know, Cristiano Ronaldo coming off the bench too for even if it's the last half hour of the game is potentially a really impactful sort of wild card to have to play there. Ross McMoney's joining myself for a little uh, World Cup lightning round as we're going into the quarterfinals. Only eight teams left. 
World Cup starts up again tomorrow. That's Friday. Ross, we pretty well covered that Morocco-Portugal matchup. Let's go through the rest of these, and I won't ask you to make a prediction if you don't want to, but just what you're, what you're thinking about these matchups, what you'll be watching for in these games, and the other game, so Morocco-Portugal's on Saturday. The other Saturday game, such a, such a huge one, such an intriguing matchup, right? England against France. Yeah, the England-France one is interesting. Um, you know, and I'm, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm sure we've spoke about it. I'm originally Scottish, so my heritage, my, you know, my parents would not be thrilled if I was rooting for England. But I grew up, I, you know, lived in England longer than I lived in Scotland. So I'm a big England fan still. Um, and I, I really want them to get past France, but I have been so impressed with France and how they've played. Um, they look very comfortably defensively in attack in those transitional moments. Uh, Griezmann is kind of pulling the strings in there. Mbappe is frightening. The the goals that he's scored so far are just ridiculous. I am positive about how England are playing too, though. So I'm going to be on the edge of my seat watching this game. I'm, I'm really, really excited for it. Um, and I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that uh, England can get through. You know, everyone's talking about how we're going to nullify Mbappe, but, you know, you've got Giroud, you've got Griezmann, you've got Dembele on the other side. Their wings, wingbacks get forward. It's like everyone's dangerous on the French team. You can't just worry about Mbappe. Um, but I'm hoping England can get through that one. Yeah, and England's looked really good, especially we mentioned 3 nothing against Senegal in the round of 16, and they looked really dangerous getting through that game. But now, of course, that's the first big test. And then, Ross, we're going backwards here a little bit, but the Friday games... Netherlands against Argentina, another great matchup between two real powers of the sport. Um, you know, I I haven't watched much of Argentina. Um, I don't know for some reason it's it's not a country that I uh, I'm like eager to sit down and watch. Even you know with how great Messi is and all of that. Um, I after their first defeat to Saudi Arabia, I still wasn't concerned that they would get through. I kind of expected that they would turn that around. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I'm not high on the Netherlands either. I, I've watched all of their games. However, I feel like their manager Louis Van Gaal has done what he's has he's had to do in order to to win each game and progress. Um, I don't think he's afraid of changing his tactics and his system and his approach in order to get the result. Um, and I kind of feel like somehow Netherlands are gonna sneak through that one it's going to be a really tough game I'm also keeping my fingers crossed for that because my wife and I are going to be in Amsterdam for the the World Cup final Um, so if the Netherlands make it that's going to be a a fantastic experience wow incredible yeah that would be unbelievable to to watch them and and be in Amsterdam watching that game if they do make it all the way to the final they'll have to get through Argentina and Argentina we know about the upset Saudi Arabia in the group stage also, didn't get through that easily against Australia. Had to make a big save from Emiliano Martinez there late in the game. Last one for you, Ross. Croatia, Brazil. Brazil just seems to be establishing them, themselves as what they were before the tournament, which is the big favorite. Yeah, yeah. For me, at the start of the tournament, it was kind of between France and Brazil that stood out. And again, I've watched, I've watched every France game, watched every Brazil game, and Brazil look really, really, really dangerous. They they look like they're enjoying their football and and when when players and individually and collectively as a team are enjoying playing that's a dangerous outfit um you know i think in the english media at least there was a lot of disgruntled reporters and 
commentators about how Brazil were like dancing and celebrating every goal against um, Korea, but that's a team that's enjoying playing together. Um, and to me, that, that looks a really dangerous team. And I think Croatia could be in for another, you know, 4-1 repeat of the Korea game. So I expect Brazil to get through that one. There you go. Only eight teams left in the World Cup. The four quarterfinal games coming up this weekend, Netherlands and Argentina, and then Croatia facing Brazil on Friday. And then on Saturday, England and France and Morocco and Portugal. Ross, couple real last quick questions for you here. Who's the team that you're saddest to see not in the tournament anymore, who you were really enjoying watching, who may, maybe caught you by surprise, or just that you're a little bit sad they're not in anymore? Um, the one that stands out for me is Japan. Um, I, I love watching Japan. That's a country that uh, has a real philosophy in their development of players. Um, you can see that in the way that they play. Uh, but more so off the field, I think the Japanese fans are such an example to the rest of the world. The way they like, you know, pick up the trash in stadiums before they leave. I just love that stuff. And, and Japan are a team that you want in the World Cup. Yeah, great run all the way to the round of 16 for Japan. Ross, last one for you. Who's your player of the tournament so far? Uh, for me, it's Mbappe. Yeah. You know, I've I've been glued to Mbappe. Every time he has the ball, I am just like watching every single movement he's making, how he reads the game, how he manipulates defenders. Um, where if you come tight to him, he'll spin and get to the other side of you. If you give him space, he'll you know run at you and beat you. It's going to be really hard for anyone to defend Mbappe, and it sounds like Kyle Walker is going to be given that job. English media was saying, you know, Kyle Walker is the only person that can defend against him. But in the Senegal game, Kyle Walker got beat several times by someone that is not as quick as Mbappe. So I'm a little worried for that matchup. Um, if I was England, I'd play two right backs. <laughs> Yeah, huge matchup there. Something to watch in the England-France game. Kylian Mbappe having a great World Cup. There you go. It's analysis of the World Cup as we're heading into the quarterfinals from Ross McMoney's great friend of the podcast and a great soccer coach in the area. Ross, got to clear the studio here, so I'm going to let you go. But I appreciate having you on, man, and uh, let's stay in touch. And I got my fingers crossed for you that the Netherlands makes it through and, and enjoy your travels to Amsterdam. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Next up on Soccer and Snow and Smoke as we're looking forward to the quarterfinals of this year's World Cup. Can't believe we're here already, but this is when things get really interesting. Only eight teams left in this year's FIFA World Cup. One of those eight is going to be walking away with the most coveted trophy in sports. And joining us to look back now at the first round of knockout games, look forward to the quarterfinals. A regular contributor here on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. So happy he's taken time out of the busy offseason with the Montana Grizzlies soccer program. Chris Chinovitsky. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, sharing a little bit more knowledge and insight. We've loved having you here for the analysis for the World Cup. Yeah, I'm back. I'm excited to be back. I feel like we do this so often now that we need to have like a podcast together where we're just going to talk random things and occasionally have guests come on. That would be amazing. He basically is the honorary co-host here on Soccer and Still and Spoke. <laughs> Chris, what we're going to do here, I want to keep this to a tight 10 minutes, just lightning round, man. I want to get as many of your thoughts as possible on wherever you want to take it. But let's start here, Chris. 
the post-mortem on the United States men's national team going out in the round of 16 to the Netherlands? I think it's success. At the end of the day, you got to look at that. I mean, I know, I honestly, I think we went into the tournament with the idea of, oh, wow, we could go the whole way. Let's be real. We're not going to go the whole way with a young team. And you instantly saw those excuses coming out as soon as we lost. Oh, but we're young, but we're young, but we're young. Yes. So I get the idea of trying to dream big, but the, the realism behind the whole thing, and I'm sure when they sit there at the USSF offices, right, United States Soccer Federation, and they look at things overall and say, did we get out of the group stage in a hard group? Yes. Did we perform relatively well against the Netherlands? Yes. Were there some basic mistakes? Yes. Can those be fixed over time with maturity? Absolutely. You check that off as a very successful World Cup, to be honest. Well, and now you get to take basically the same group forward at least into the next cycle. That's got to be so valuable, even if they do replace Greg Berhalter. Yes. So, and do they? Do they not? I don't know. Is Jesse Marsh the ultimate replacement? We'll see if he can hang on at Leeds. Um, it'd be exciting to see Jesse because I feel like he actually personifies that American spirit, which is kind of that uh, Red Bull Academy type thing, right? Which is a, a more aggressive style, press on the front foot, get the ball, go, score goals, just in your face type of way of playing. And I think he could bring the best out of the group. But at the same time, Berhold has done so well to get us to this point that I think it would be a shame to kick him out and just being like, thanks for nothing. Cause it's honestly, thanks for so much. Cause his stability over time and the amount of flack that he's taken over time, he, he dealt with it, he's gotten us to this point, and he should be proud of that, and we should all be proud of him for it. All right, that's enough on the United States men's national team. They're no longer in this World Cup, losing 3-1 to the Netherlands in the round of 16. <laughs> Chris, eight teams are left in this World Cup. Has, has what you've seen over the last couple of weeks influenced who you think the favorites are, who you think has a real shot at this? Yes, because now I don't know who to pick. Uh, the other day, watching Brazil, too, I'm like, all right, Brazil's got it. But then watching France dismantle, um, when they dismantled Poland, I thought, okay, France has got it. And then, no, maybe Brazil. But then Portugal without Ronaldo to finally have the guts to say, Ronaldo, you're starting on the bench, and we're going to play these other ones, and you'll have your cameo appearance at the end. They look better, so much better without him. And all of a sudden, they've gone from, because I honestly thought they were going to lose that game to Switzerland. And as soon as Ronaldo wasn't playing, I thought, oh, this could be interesting. And all of a sudden, they're running through somebody 6-1 to one and look more free and dangerous than they've ever looked before. So I don't know who to pick. I think Netherlands upset Argentina, to be honest. I know everyone's going to hate me for that. But I think Netherlands probably against Brazil. And then Portugal probably continues rolling along against France. And then who knows what happens at that point. It's just it's so much fun to be in a spot where I don't know who to pick because everybody's that good. Yeah, it's sort of been the story of this World Cup. I mean, I've talked about it a little bit on the radio, but these favorites are either just beating the crap out of teams, and we saw that even in the round of 16. Brazil wins by three goals. England wins by three goals. You know, France has no trouble against Poland. Sorry, Chris. Portugal puts up six (laughs) against Switzerland. All the top teams are sort of living up to that billing, right? And they're showing it on the field. Yes. Yeah, they're showing it, and they look confident, and they're resting players at the right times, and it's it's going to be incredible. It's kind of like when when you watch Premier League and it gets to the end of the season and you're like, I have no idea if it's Liverpool or City or maybe Chelsea. This is really exciting. I feel like it's very similar to that because previous World Cups, I feel like I've been able to sniff out a winner early. But this is just, there's something different about this one and it's making it so much fun to watch. All right, eight teams left in the World Cup. That means, uh, if my math is right, 24 teams have gone home. Chris, who uh, caught your attention in the first couple of weeks of the World Cup that you're sad to see out of it now, that you're sad you're not going to get to watch anymore? Oh, wow, that's a great question. Um, 
to be honest, I first thought Spain after that first game, I was all excited for them, but then I feel like they almost emphasized that possession a little bit too much. So they ended up being a disappointment. Um, I was excited about Belgium, but I ended up being a disappointment. So I, I don't think there's anybody that I'm sad isn't there anymore. I, at the same time, was excited about South Korea, and then they ended up getting spanked 4-0 by halftime and then 4-1 by the end of the game. So I really was hoping that when Korea got through that they might go on a little bit of a run and upset Brazil, but no. I mean, whatever's left honestly has my heart right now, and I'm going to have to lay Poland and Australia and the U.S. aside and just focus on watching those games and having fun. For sure. We've got so many great matchups in the round of eight here in the quarterfinals. You go down this list, and it's just a who's who of the top teams in world soccer. Netherlands, Argentina, Croatia, Brazil, England, France, and then you get to the last quarterfinal there, Portugal and Morocco, and Morocco was the team that knocked out Spain in the round of 16 just the other day. What did you think about that team? Can they keep it going? No, I don't know. I think, again, with Spain, it's, the, yes, the, the, the idea of, like, death by a thousand prices, but they're not going to, unless it was Costa Rica, they're not really going to blow you out. So if you can hang around and just accept that possession for what it is and try to hit them a few times, at some point you can beat them. So, I mean, Morocco, I think, had a good game plan, but it's different playing against Portugal. I mean, Spain, you know exactly what you're going to get, similar to what we know what we're going to get in conference play, playing Weber State. They're very similar in that. They, they like to keep the ball, and you know it's a different challenge to everybody else. Um, and I feel like they could defend well against that. I don't know if they can stop the Portuguese, but who knows? <laughs> I mean, this World Cup's crazy, so I guess we'll see very soon. Well, and Portugal now looks to have a different sort of cutting edge with Gonzalo Ramos coming off the bench. They bench Cristiano Ronaldo. They score six goals against Switzerland. Is that, I mean, just what a change to make in a stage like that. And it's not even the group stage anymore. It's the knockout round. You lose and you're going home. You're benching one of the biggest icons of the sport, and it works out so well. I mean, can you give us a little bit of a coach's perspective on that move? Yeah, it's a brave move to make, right? Because either you're getting fired for it, or you're going to be told that you're the smartest person on the face of the planet for it. And, I mean, you talk about it working out in the right direction for, for a coach, right? Um, but it's, it's, it's a really gutsy move to try to bench a player that good and to, to have the relationship with him. Because if you see the goals, you see Ronaldo celebrating with everybody. He's clearly into it. So he's being convinced to play this role and he's taken it on better than what he did at Manchester United, where he was grumpy about it. This is, uh, I'm fully bought into this team. I trust my coach. I trust my teammates. Sure. And maybe his body language would have been different if they were losing. He probably would have pouted and said, see, you should have played me. But I think this might be the medicine that, that uh, Ronaldo needed at the same time, too, of like, okay, this place can be fine without me, and I don't have to be the player that bears all the weight of this. He can come on and play free and just do his own thing now without – the responsibility of, of the entire country on his shoulders. So I think we'll see a better Ronaldo because of this, to be honest. Yeah, and you got to wonder if they were helped a little bit by the fact that Eric Ten Hag took the plunge first, right? And he was already putting Ronaldo on the bench yeah. at Manchester United. This wasn't coming out of the blue, or at least one would hope it wasn't coming out of the blue. For Cristiano, all right, Chris, real quick lightning round here. Who do you think's been the player of the tournament so far? Oh, man, you got me completely off guard there. I think Mbappe has been stunning every single game. He has the ability to just rip people to shreds. I think he is somebody who really sticks out to me as a player who can win you anything at any point in time. And then looking forward to each of these four quarterfinals. You don't have to make a prediction here. You can if you want, but just tell me uh, which way you're leaning, what you're going to be looking for real quick in each of these four games that will determine 
who the final four left in this tournament will be. Netherlands-Argentina, which is going to be Friday at noon. Okay, Netherlands-Argentina, I think it's going Netherlands' way. I think that's more of a team there. I remember meeting with you the first time talking about Argentina's got this great team culture, and it's not just on Messi. I think they're going back to relying on Messi a little bit too much here. Um, I just feel like when it comes to the Netherlands, they can hit you so hard so quick on a counter, and they're so disciplined, and they're playing for Van Hal because he went through cancer and all that. I think there's just a depth to them that we haven't seen yet, and they'll be the surprise ones that might just get that result against Argentina and move on. That's actually the second game of the day on Friday. The first one, Croatia-Brazil. I think Brazil's got too much. There's just so much confidence there. Does it go overboard? No, because if you've seen the Amazon Prime documentary and how they won the, uh, was it the Copa America, and you just notice how Chiche coaches, he is incredible, incredible at making sure they stay grounded. So I feel like the confidence that, that, that they have and his ability to keep them grounded, they should get through Croatia. And now you're running into Netherlands, and that'll be another interesting one. And then another doubleheader on Saturday, the one we've talked about a little bit already, Morocco, the underdog story of the tournament so far against Portugal. Yeah, I think Portugal ends up winning that one. But remember, they also surprised Switzerland by not starting Ronaldo. With Switzerland probably in practice and tactically set up to nullify Ronaldo. So I think that caught them off guard with those goals early, and then the game was running away from them. Morocco is now going to be prepped for a Cristiano Ronaldo-less Portugal, and they will probably set up and defend differently. So that gives them a little bit of a leg up, but I still think Portugal's got too much quality and should win that game. And then what a game to finish off the quarterfinals, the late game on Saturday, the only game of the quarterfinals between two continental rivals, England and France. Oh, talk about the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I want to bathe in that game. It's so beautiful. Um, I have no idea who wins that. I feel like Mbappe could get it done, but then the amount of quality in England too and just different individuals who can do it. But you know what? I'm going to go with the gut and say that France wins that game. There you go, Chris. Anything else real quick here that you wanted to talk about that you've seen that's caught your eye or that you're looking forward to in this World Cup? Yeah, I think um, the biggest pattern that I've noticed coming out of it from the coach's eye is the amount of penalty kicks missed. Um, and I think the entire power dynamic has shifted in favor of the goalkeeper because of the amount of data that is now available. I mean, you know where people have taken their penalty kicks. You know how to influence where they take it by your movement on the line. So all of a sudden it's become that the goalkeeper is in control of the penalty kick as opposed to the actual penalty kick taker, which is why we're seeing so many stutter steps and weird run-ups because they're trying to figure out what to do, and there's less confidence in the penalty kick taker. And it's amazing how many are being missed right now. So at some point, that's going to be a piece that needs to be addressed by everybody of how do the penalty kick takers take that dynamic, the power dynamic away from the goalkeeper and try to be able to score more goals. And then free kicks are another one. Direct free kicks on goal have been atrocious this World Cup besides the one scored by Mexico. And that's another piece that you'll see creativity over the next couple of years because laying that person down behind the wall so the wall can jump and now the whole goal is blocked and we just don't, no one seems to have the quality to score from those. So I think we'll see a pretty cool evolution in penalty kicks and direct free kicks here over the next two to three years. Yeah, three saves by Croatia's goalkeeper in the round of 16 win over Japan and then three saves, or I guess one of those was off the post by Morocco's goalkeeper to send Morocco through to the quarterfinals in that penalty shootout against Spain. It's been a huge narrative at this World Cup. That's why we've got... And Messi's missed, too. Yeah. That's right. That's why we've got Chris Chinovitsky on Soccer and Snow and Smoke bringing you the insight from the coach's point of view. Chris, 
Thank you for joining us right here before the quarterfinals. Appreciate the insight as always. This will not be the last time we talk to you before this World Cup wraps up. But thanks again for your time, man. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.